So if you have a Bible, open up with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. This is not completely disconnected from our study in Romans. For last week, we saw in Romans chapter 11 in verses 1 through 6, we see a quotation that will uh, find its origin here in 1 Kings 19. And so this is definitely not out of place completely, but this is what we're going to call an Old Testament detour for several reasons. One, this is where the Lord led me on Friday morning. And this is one of probably the places the Lord has led me the most uh, in my time of studying and reading the Bible, or at least within the story of this prophet of the Bible, this prophet of God, Elijah. You may know a good bit about Elijah. I said a few things last week, but just to catch you up on what you need for our message today is this, is that in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, we meet the prophet Elijah. And we meet him as he is making a very bold prayer. And so I'll just share that with you. He says in verse two of chapter 17, you don't have to turn there, but just listen up. He he says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, I don't know how he knew that he could pray a prayer like that. I don't know how he found the confidence to say it's not gonna rain because God's not gonna allow it to rain until I ask him to. I don't know how he knew that. But he had a particular faith to ask for that specific thing and and that's what the Lord did. The Lord told him to depart, get away because people are gonna be seeking after the guy that asked for the rain to stop. And he said, I'm going to provide for you. And so just understand this, Elijah, as much as anybody really outside of Moses that we find in the Old Testament, he is a man who knows of the power of God. He has walked with the presence of God and he has experienced the provision of God over and over. That was so many Ps just then that came out naturally. That's what happens when you've been preaching for a few years. But he he knows the Lord. And so much so, I'll just give you, if you're a person that you say, I don't even know who this Elijah guy is, let me show you how he's experienced the provision. Verse four of chapter 17, the Lord says, you shall drink from the brook. So when you need water, I'm gonna have water flowing for you here at this brook. And when you're hungry, I've commanded the ravens to bring you food. I have absolutely never in my life Actually, I've eaten a bird. I've never had a bird bring me food to eat. You understand? So this is different than what you've experienced. This is how the Lord uh, provided for him. He brought him food by a raven. After the brook dried up and there was, uh, because of the lack of rain, he sent Elijah and he told him to go to the house of a widow. He went to her house and she provided for him food and uh, what he needed for nourishment. During that time, her son passed away unexpectedly. And guess what? Elijah, by the power of God, raised the boy up from the dead. This is a guy that he has experienced the provision of God. He knows the power of God. He walks in the presence of God. Like that's Elijah. Chapter 18, you you know this story. 
the majority of you know the story. We talked about it a little bit last week. But this is where he is going to boldly walk where no one would want to walk. He's going to be alone as a prophet of Yahweh. And he stands next to about 450 prophets of Baal. And the 450 prophets of Baal call on their false god to answer and to show himself. But he does not because he's not real. Elijah calls on Yahweh alone. Yahweh responds. Yahweh gets glory. Great victory for Elijah. He then asks his God before people to make it rain again. And guess what? The Lord sends the rain. A great victory. Elijah, if anybody knows the Lord, it's Elijah. If anybody knows his power, it's Elijah. If anybody's experienced his provision, it's Elijah. Look at chapter 19. In chapter 19, we're going to see Elijah in a moment of weakness, crumbling with fear and feeling hopeless. Let's read it together. Chapter 19, we're just gonna read the first four verses. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Ahab is king, Jezebel his wife. All that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. I left that part out when I was talking about the great victory, but he did actually end all of the prophets of Baal's life, okay? Uh, Who were employed by Jezebel, okay? So she lost a bunch of employees that day. Verse two, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and he ran for his life. That's Elijah. He was super confident before all of these people, but yet this one crazy lady, she's coming after him and he is running as fast as he can. And I'm gonna be honest with you, We would too. She was scary. Verse four, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. Quick connection. There's another prophet in the Bible that sits under a broom tree and contemplates whether his life and ministry matters. His name's Jonah. So just maybe write that down, check it out later, okay? He sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die saying, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my fathers. Now, I'm gonna have you, you have a little note page there and you might've saw there was no outline. That doesn't mean I'm winging it. Okay, because I'm certainly not. You have it on the screen, but I wanted to leave you places for notes And maybe jot this down, doesn't have to be word for word, but just a reminder for us, this shift, going from being confident and full of faith uh, in in uh, in the moment of victory, shifting to one who is crushed and fearful and hopeless, this shift takes place not after experiencing a crushing loss, but after an undisputed, thrilling victory in the Lord. 
Now, what I am not saying is that every time something happens in our life that's a win, that we start going, oh man, it's sunny today, it's gonna storm tomorrow. Something good happened, we're experiencing blessing, we better get ready for a curse tomorrow. That's not what this means. And that's not what this shows, but what it does at least show us is that we should see that depression, anxiety, fear, or fill in the blank, whatever it might be, it can hit us and seemingly rule us in the midst of a successful God-glorifying moment in our lives. In the moment when we seem to be walking the closest to the Lord, in the moment where we're hearing for him, from him maybe most in our lives, even within those times, we can experience fear, depression. We can experience a, a, feel of hopeless, a feeling of hopelessness. Even in the midst of what would be for the Christian only hope. Even in the lives of people who walk with God the most, and maybe we look at and we say they, and maybe the longest, this kind of thing can take place in your life. Find yourself one day on, on Monday, confident and full of faith. And then the next day, under the broom tree, down in despair, feeling hopeless. Now we know this is true, but we don't like to uh, admit that. But I I would say this, uh, Elijah, no matter what else that we wanna make of it, uh, we wanna see this, Elijah, a man of great faith and a great God in chapter 19, he feels alone, he feels stuck, and he feels out of place. And what I mean by that is this, he feels like there's no good future for him and there's no purpose for his life. That, that's what Elijah, that's where he is. He feels alone, stuck, and with no good purpose for his life. These feelings and these kind of fears can lead us to all kinds of bad decisions. They can lead to all kinds of damaging thoughts. It's in times like these that we say things, that we do things, that we think things that we ought not to do, say, or think. We're dare to believe that something that's far from reality is accurate for our lives. Something to write down, and I I believe this can be helpful for you. This is just pastoral walking you through life. Things can be very real in your life and yet not be true. Something can be very real in your life and yet not be true in your life. You can feel things in your head that are very real and affect you that are not true about your life. And I believe we see Elijah in a place like this in chapter 19. Things are real. The feelings are real. His hopeless feeling is real, but yet there's only hope. And we know for Elijah, for his life. 
Maybe we might dare believe something that's far from reality. I'm worthless. There's no place for me. I don't fit in. I'm not needed. I'm completely alone. This is where we find Elijah. He's down and he's out. He's given up and he sees no purpose in his life or his ministry. Can anyone, don't raise your hand. Can anyone in the house identify with this man today? Do you know what it feels like to feel by yourself? Do you know what it feels like to feel like you're stuck? Do you know what it feels like to think that your life doesn't have purpose? That's where we are today with Elijah. So what happens next? I'm really glad you asked that question. Look at verse four. We're gonna read it over again and extend down to verse eight. It says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and he sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die saying it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life away from me for I am no better than my father's. Verse five says, and he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. Let's pray before we look at this. Father, I ask that you would today for your glory, for the good of your people, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word today and specifically that we would hear And we would see the beauty of the gospel of your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to see uh, three realities that we have from this text. Three things that we learn, at least. Number one is this. It's about the story. The story reminds us that the Lord knows where we are and how to meet our needs. The Lord knows where we are and how to meet our needs. And our phrase for the morning is this. He knows the food that we need for the journey that we have. The Lord knows the food that we need for the journey that we have. Now, before we even get into more specifically, this situation with Elijah, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna jump to how we can be sure of this point number one. So before we even look any more about Elijah, we're gonna jump away from that into the gospel 
And we want to know how we know that God knows where we are and how to meet our needs. And I will tell you this, we can know this and we can be sure of it because our ultimate and our most costly need has already been met in Jesus Christ. We can feel very confident under the broom tree, wherever we are, because we know that our most ultimate need, the most costly need has been met in Jesus Christ. Him living, him dying, and him raising from the grave in the place of those who will believe. As we read earlier, it's in Christ that we feast. The food that we most need, and we're gonna go to the table in just a little bit. So it's a picture of it. The food that we most need is to eat of the body. And to drink of the blood. The, the one passage that you just don't want to walk in Starbucks reading out loud, you know? Y'all want to know about my God? Eat his flesh, drink his blood, y'all. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it, sounds, it sounds crazy, but yet it's, it's what? It's the very thing that we, we just read. The flesh and the blood are life to those who eat and drink of it. It's our very life. In church today, we can know that the Lord knows where we are and how to meet any need that we have because he met our most ultimate and most costly need in Christ Jesus. Katie, if you can, can you pull up that passage one more time, the John 6? Let's just be reminded here, John 6, 48 through 59. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. But this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Like this is weird. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now, If you sit here today and you go, what does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ died in the place of sinners. You're a sinner. If you will place your faith in the death of Jesus Christ for your death and your sin, and you will believe that when he rose from the grave, that as he is alive and he is well, that he gives life to those who believe you can have life too. You can drink and you can eat of Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ died in the place of sinners and he rose that we might have life. Believe in Christ today. Believe that he loves you and he died in your place so that you might live.
See, if the Lord can meet us in the gospel, he can meet us anywhere we find ourselves this morning. So looking back at our story, we have Elijah, he's under the broom tree. He asked the Lord that he might take his life from him. He then falls asleep. And, and some of you know, if, you, if you've struggled with any form of depression, anxiety, if you've, if you've been down and out, some, sometimes the only thing you wanna do is just go to sleep. And so under that tree, he just falls asleep. And the Lord, knowing where he is, wakes him up. So we're told the second time that an angel, the angel of the Lord wakes him up. The Lord wakes him up. And he gives him like some little pancakes. Like, I guess, I mean, like it says cakes on a hot stone. So I get, the Lord makes him, if you eat an angel cake, it's probably a good, a good pancake. Okay, like he, he cooks him pancakes and gives him a jar of water. He sends him back to bed. Like, that, like that's what happens. And so maybe this is kind of a side note, but I think it's, Okay to say it's this, sometimes what you maybe most need outside of that ultimate need is sleep. Seriously, sometimes you need to go to bed and you need to eat good. Sometimes you need pancakes, okay? I mean, for real, he needed to get fed and he needed to go back to sleep. And that's exactly what he does. But the second time, He's woken up again, it says, by the angel of the Lord. And so like, it, arguably the Lord wakes him up and feeds him again. He says, arise and eat for the journey before you. It's too great for you. Like you can't do this unless you eat what I provide you. And so Elijah gets up and he eats and he drinks and the Lord sends him off on a journey in the strength of that one meal for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, when we talk about how the Lord knows where we are and he knows how to meet our needs, once again, I wanna be very clear with you. What we most need is found in Christ Jesus and his gospel, okay? In light of that, Sometimes the way the Lord guides us and reminds us and cares for our souls are in things that might not up front appear to be spiritual, okay? Food, sleep, I wrote down a few. Sometimes the greatest thing for my soul is a couple of days with my family. <laughs> like some of you, like you have literally like invested days over God's word and yet still had this like uptight feeling. You've tried to pray and you've tried to be in community and you try to, all of these different things which are wonderful and they're necessary and they're food for our lives. But sometimes... The food that you need is a date with your wife. Sometimes what you need is laughter with a friend. Sometimes the thing that will change you, I, Friday morning, 
My, we, were, we were at the beach and, and we were uh, coming home. Sometimes a trip to the beach can be what you need. But, but some, here was what was so wonderful for me. I got up, it was about 6.30 in the morning. I walked out onto our uh, little patio area at the beach and I just sat there and I was, yes, I was reading the Bible. I was asking the Lord where to go for, for this morning. And one of the things that I felt, I just had this incredible peace and calm and this uh, just seemingly moment of going, the Lord loves me. The Lord provides for me, he provides for our church. He cares for us. Yes, I know in the sun and I feel it in the sun. I know it's in the gospel. But right now I'm being pointed to Jesus Christ as I just sit with the waves crashing and the quiet of the porch and the little birds that are, you know, want to feed, but I can't because I'll get in trouble. And like the different thing, like, like th- sometimes what we need most is something that doesn't appear to be spiritual. Elijah, man, the Lord gives him some pancakes and a little jar of water, which I bet was really good water for honest. And he sends him on his way. He knew the food that Elijah needed for the journey that he had. Now, I don't know where you are today. I, I, I don't have a clue, but I know this, that like Elijah, the Lord knows the food that you need for the journey that you have. Let's just see secondly about this story. It's one of my favorites. Actually go to the second one. I can't remember how I put it on here. Go, there you go, okay. The story here of Elijah pictures our need to be in a place to meet with and experience God personally. The story pictures for us, helps illustrate our need to be in a place to meet with God and experience God personally. You, you may or may not call it, but right there in the verse eight of chapter 19, it says that he arose and he ate and drank. He went in the strength of, the, of that food 40 days and 40 nights. And it says to Horeb, the Mount of God. It doesn't say that the Lord told him to go there. Maybe he did, but it doesn't say that. But Elijah, at the very least, knows that's where he needs to go or he feels that's where he needs to go to meet with God. Now, what is unique about this place? More than likely, he's talking about the exact place where Moses met with the Lord to get the Ten Commandments, to get the law. In a sense, if there's any place in the whole world where a person can go and they can meet with God and they can hear from God, it's there. Like that's, that's what I believe is in his head. Like I've got to get to this place because this is where God historically, he has met with people. He's met with Moses. I'm going, he will meet with me now. So he travels, he gets there, and guess what? He meets with the Lord. Now, what I wanna 
give to you is a little sub point under this and it goes like this. Make sure that you are currently in a place to meet with and hear from the Lord. And when I say in a place, I, I mean several things by that. One is a heart condition that you're in a place within your heart where you are desiring to hear from the Lord. You're not just trying to say, well, man, I mean, it's, I go to church. I need to read the Bible because if I don't, I'm going to feel terrible about my walk with the Lord. I need to do this because I'm not talking about a little checklist. I'm talking about today, it, there, there ain't a person in this room that if you want to meet with the Lord, that he's going to be like, no. <laughs> there's not a person in the Lord. We meet with him on his terms. But there's not a single person in the, in the room that you say, man, I really want to commune with the Lord. Uh, that, that He says, no. He welcomes you in Christ Jesus. Like once again, the fact that our ultimate need and our most costly need has been met in Christ Jesus tells us that we can meet with the Lord whenever we want to in Christ Jesus. In fact, those who believe in Christ Jesus, he mysteriously gives us his spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We don't have to go anywhere to meet with the Lord. I can meet with the Lord right now. I am meeting with the Lord. He's in me. Like that's what the Bible tells us. That's part of the good news. That's part of the gospel. But here on our point, I said, make sure you're in a place. What, what do I mean? One, make sure that we're in a place where we're focused, where we're meeting with the Lord in Christ. I'm not trying to meet with him through, you know, because I work so hard or because I'm so good or I'm so awesome or I'm so loud. Not that. But because he loves me. And he's made a way for me to commune with him and meet with him whenever and wherever. Be in a place. Secondly, what I mean is this. I think a place, yeah, a heart condition. Secondly, I don't think it's really that weird to actually go to a place. Like you don't have to. There's nothing spiritual about like sitting in a certain chair or going to a certain place or sitting at the altar. There's no like, you know, biblical command on where you need to get. But here's the thing. If you're like me, there are certain places you go that maybe historically the Lord has worked in my life or that's very meaningful to me or that's more quiet in a house with four kids, you gotta have a place, seriously. But in a house of four kids, I'll tell you one of the greatest places that I've ever had is actually in my house with my little at the time toddler, Annie Ruth. I have a Bible. I can't, I, I really don't know where it is. If you've seen my big black Bible, please get it and give it back to me. Okay, I don't know where it is. But in that, I wrote a, a note. Actually, no. You know what, guys? I'm, the Lord intended this. It's actually right here. <laughs> it's in this little one. I wrote, I wrote a note here on the inside of the, the front page. I didn't remember what this said. Another day I was reading it and I was writing about the place. And it was in a chair in our living room and it was at a very inconvenient time. Evidently for quite a season, Annie Ruth got up earlier than anybody wanted her to when it was still dark outside. And it was in that time, as I documented here, that the Lord spoke to my heart in numerous ways. And I wrote down a lot of those ways. And it was during the time that I felt inconvenienced at first 
only to now look back on it as one of the most precious times of my life when my little girl just wanted to watch a little Disney Junior while I sat in the chair and read God's word and took it in. That was my place for that season. Starbucks has been my place for a season. In the, before the tornado, it was actually in the bride's room where we had mold. Um, that, that was where it was. So I probably have a, a you know, condition that's still with me today because of that, but that's where it was. Find your place. And maybe a note with that place is it might be whatever your best time of the day is. And you know what that is, not when you're all grumpy and wanna go to sleep, not that. Maybe find your best time of the day and give that. It doesn't have to be four hours. It can maybe be just a few minutes, but spend time with the Lord, intentionally meeting with and desiring to hear from him. Uh, That's A. B, this is important. Be aware that God doesn't always speak to us in a way that we might expect, even if we're in a place we're familiar with him displaying his power. Okay, so like with Elijah, he goes to this place and he goes, man, if, if I can go anywhere and hear from the Lord, it's gotta be Horeb. And so he goes there and you'll remember this, this scene. We're told, look in chapter 19, uh, go verse 11. Is that right? Yeah. It says, and he said, this is the Lord speaking, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And so Elijah goes and he stands before the Lord and it says, behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. And so all of God's people said, there he is. He's speaking, did you hear it? No, didn't didn't hear anything. That, That wasn't what he was wanting to say to me, Elijah said. And after the wind, an earthquake. Oh, that's it. That's the Lord. Yeah, I remember with Moses, there was all that. The earth was, you know, the ground was shaking. There was lightning. There was, no, it says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. Oh yeah, fire. That's, that's how. Yeah, the Lord, he used to, you know, appear in fire. And a no, 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 no. It, it actually says, but the Lord was not in the fire. He said, but that's how he communicates. That's how he shows himself. Well, not here. It says, and after the fire, the most unexpected thing, the sound of a low whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face. You know what you do. When you're wrapping the face, you're, you're ready to see glory. He wrapped his face with his cloak and he went and he stood at the entrance of the cave and there came a voice to him. It was the Lord. What are you doing here, Elijah? See, be aware that God doesn't always speak to us in the way that we might expect him to. The way God spoke to Moses wasn't necessarily the way that he spoke to Elijah. It's not necessarily the way that he'll speak to you either. Now to clarify for all the theologians in the house, because you're there, I realize how the Lord speaks to us through his word. I get it. I'm just saying the way that he does it 
might not be what you expect. And the time that he does it might not have been when you expected it. Lastly, on that point, see that like Elijah, man, we must all be prepared to hear from the Lord. We must be, we must be prepared to hear from the Lord. We, we were, I told you we were at the beach on the way back from Gulf Shores, Alabama, or at least from the outlet malls, all the way until Duncanville, my almost three-year-old Hazel talked non-stop. <laughs> Ultimate payback for me, okay? Because y'all know I talk. Hazel talked the entire time. It was cute for an hour. It was okay for two. But four and a half hours, I was ready to get that kid into bed, okay? Like it... <laughs> She talked nonstop about anything and everything, okay? Reminded this morning, I really believe that that's exactly, I feel like I am like her. Y'all are like, yeah. And Catherine's like, yes. Oh, he's been trying to tell you that. Yes. But in this way, that it's like the, the time that I am prepared, I say, okay, I'm prepared to read. I'm prepared to uh, meet with the Lord. And then I get there and from the time I leave until the time I get done, I've talked the entire time. Like that's how I am. Man, if I've learned anything this week, as I've studied this word, it's this, is be prepared and be intentional to listen. Listen for the whisper, don't just look for the fire. Because that's how we are. At least that's how I am. Like Elijah, we must be prepared to hear from the Lord. Third point of the day, last point of the day. And actually I need it once again because I forgot how I said it. Okay, go, there you go. The story that we have looked at is a great illustration of the life-giving and the life-transforming power of the vision that we have here at ABC. For you to know God, for you to find community, and for you to live on mission. We see Elijah knowing the Lord, experiencing the Lord, walking with the Lord, communing with the Lord. We see him following him. We see Elijah down and out feeling by himself and the Lord's encouragement coming his way and saying, you're not by yourself. There are 7,000 people who are faithful like you, my friend. And last week, you remember, we ta- I told you, I said, look around, look around in here. You can't be alone because you're sitting in this room. You're not alone. And what I didn't tell you last week, but there in chapter 19 is the the Lord's gonna give Elijah, he sends him off to go anoint two kings, to go get him somebody to follow his life and ministry, Elisha. Isn't that funny? It's like, could you not get more creative than that? You know, you got Elijah and then Elisha, just a little bit different. We had a Cody, now we have a Colby. People still call me Cody, my name's Colby. Um, Listen, after 11 years, uh, if you don't know my name, just keep calling me whatever. Okay, here we go. So off the point. All right, Elijah, 
is given a task to do. He's commissioned out with purpose to live his life on mission. So as Jennifer comes, I just wanna remind you, listen, our desire for you here is illustrated in this text is that we desire you to know God. And when we say that, we want you to experience God by following Jesus Christ, by placing your life in his life, by following Christ and being baptized. If you don't know Jesus today, you can come know him. You can believe on his death in your place and his life that is here today. Believe in Christ, be baptized as a follower of his. Find community here. Like you're not by yourself. Man, know that you, you're needed as a member of the body. Like if you're part of his church, you're a member that's necessary and needed. In community, we, we find that we can be known. People can know us and pray for us, encourage us. And find community here. And live on mission. Help other people to know God. Help other people to find community and to live their life on purpose. Learn to serve and learn to equip others to do the same. Listen, today, wherever you are, whatever you need, the Lord has the power and the knowledge. He has the wisdom. He has the will to meet it. Come to him today. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word today. We ask that.